So in light of everything that has been taught, since I didn't get canceled after last week, go team, what's the summary of things? Because that's what Paul is trying to give you. So compared to last week, this should be like non-controversial, but I make you no promises. I can always manage to say something controversial and offensive, can't I? <laughs> oh, I got the shrug. Oh, yeah, probably. Yikes. All right, it's going to be one of those days. Now, much of what is in today we have actually covered before in the letter, but if Paul goes to the trouble of going over it a second time, you know what we're going to do? We are going to go over it a second time because it is for your good and for God's glory. So you ready to have some fun? All right, verse 2, let's dive right in. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. That's easy, right? Simple, nothing to worry about right there. <laughs> All right, let's start with the beginning part. Devote yourselves to prayer. That is not an unusual request in Scripture. Uh, James 5, uh, if you put a gun to my head and made me bet, I would tell you James is the first book of the New Testament written between 44 and 48 AD. James 5, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Written about five to ten years before Colossians is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything gives thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And by the way, always remember this, the apostolic teaching does not come out of thin air. James and Paul weren't sitting around in a room. Well, they would have been sitting, sitting in separate rooms, but they weren't sitting around going, you know, I wonder what would be good advice to give to people. What's, what's something they don't do well that we should encourage them? No, the apostles are teaching you and explaining whose ministry, who's teaching. Go ahead, give me the Sunday school answer. Jesus. Matthew chapter 6. When you pray... You are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Did you notice anything unusual about that? Probably not. But at any point did Jesus said, when, when you feel like praying or if you feel like praying, it was what? When you pray. The assumption is what? That you are a sinful person living in a sinful world seeking to overcome sin and not live according to the pattern of this world. You in and of yourself have no power that you can access short of the power that is given to you by God through the Holy Spirit, which means you should be spending a whole lot of time doing what? God, I need help. <laughs> Help! Which means you should be a praying people. Now, let's cover this. This does not mean there is an expectation that you will grab your calendar, because let's be honest, nobody except my wife, who's a weirdo, writes anything on a physical calendar anymore. You all put it onto your phone. <laughs> some, some of you oddballs. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I keep telling you. See, always remember this. For those of you that are like me and are weird in this world, always remember, in an insane world, it is the sane who will often appear insane. See, I'm normal. The rest of you people. 
<laughs> anyway, it's my story and I'm sticking to it. But no, I do not expect that you will go to your calendar to go, okay, I'm going to go home today from 4 o'clock until 7 o'clock. There's my prayer time. I'm just going to, nothing but prayer. If, if you are wired like that, by all means, do that. I'm not wired like that because I, I, I can't sit down for 10 minutes and keep one train of thought. You, you've noticed, I'm sure. <laughs> now, does that mean, well, you know what? I'm just not a person who's able to sit down, plow through a prayer list, get all the requests out, and go through it in like, you know, 45 minutes or an hour. So I shouldn't pray. No. Work out how your brain works. Work out how you can remember things. Work out how you can take the opportunities to communicate and do so. Yes, some of you are wired to be just like awesome prayer people and you can sit and you can think through a list and you can write it out and you can do everything and you can plow through like 15, 20 minutes of prayer time. Awesome. I love you guys. Please do that. But if you're not wired for that, don't forsake it. You're going, well, I'm wired for like 45 seconds, not 45 minutes. Awesome. You know what you should do with those 45 seconds when you think about it? Pray. Just not if you're driving. <laughs> and if you are praying while you drive, keep your eyes open, okay? Which, by the way, also, that's not a necessity either. You know that's a modern invention, right? We do the prayer. If you're rewound to the Bible time, they would do prayer. With palms uplifted, eyes up and open. So... Your posture doesn't matter. It's not, it's not like you got to be like one of those yoga gurus, be like, all right, now I can pray. If you think you need that, <laughs> see, I, only, I do it, um, no. <laughs> that is not a necessity, and if you think that it is, you have a broken understanding of prayer. Prayer is your petitions before the throne of God, okay? Bring them. When you think of them, you're one of those people that go, I will pray for you. And you forget 20 minutes later, you know what you should do when you say that? Just take a second and pray right now. And when you remember later, pray then. And don't be like, okay, you know what? I got I to gotta turn the TV off. I got to turn the radio off. I got to get the dog to stop barking. I got to get the kids to stop running around. I'm going to sit down in a quiet room. You thought about it. Pray. It's okay. This is who you are and how God has made you. You will get better at it over time. I promise. And by the way, when I say you'll get better at it, realize this, this, this fun little note about Christianity. Because we're all broken, and because we are all sinners, and because none of us are perfect yet, you know what none of us are good at? Anything. <laughs> so when you look at somebody and go, man, their prayers are good. No, their prayers are terrible. Jesus' prayers are good because Jesus is good. And it is Christ's work and Christ's intercession that makes our prayers good, not us. Your prayers are bad. Your prayer life is bad. And that's okay because it is Christ that actually hears, and it is Christ that actually carries before the Father, and Christ who actually intercedes on your behalf, and it is God and the work of the Holy Spirit that actually accomplishes in your world. Therefore, you can be at peace, and you can be at rest, because this is not dependent upon you. Therefore, you can be a praying people. As messed up as you are, and as broken as you are, and as scatterbrained as you may be, and as, as disjointed as your prayer life might actually be, it's there. And it is Christ who cleanses, and it is Christ who makes it good. Rest on that. We're going to come back to that idea, just so you know. But Start there. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it. Ooh, that's easy enough, right? <laughs> this should actually just kind of be a posture of your existence in general. Matthew 26, this was Jesus' command at the, uh, at the Garden of Gethsemane. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Ephesians 6, Paul telling the, um, the church at Ephesus, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, 
be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. In other words, the reason why I encourage you as you think of things to pray for them is that's how you'll actually learn to also be thinking about things and paying attention to things. I've told you this before, I will tell you this again, and as long as I still have a voice to use it, I will continue to tell you this. Christianity is a thinking religion. You cannot be on autopilot in a sinful world. If you do, it's kind of the equivalent of like, just take a boat and drop it in the ocean and then turn off the motor. It'll be there when you come back, right? <laughs> no, it'll be where? I mean, I have no earthly idea. This is why I love stories of like ancient navigators and stuff, because if you get like two or three cloudy nights in a row in a stiff breeze, you know what they don't know anymore? <laughs> well, I don't know where we are. Because <laughs> we don't have GPS, and until I can see a star and actually figure out where we are on the charts and know what day it is, I got no clue. Because the ocean's moving, and the sinful currents of this world are moving, and they are pulling, and they are tugging, and if you just kind of go along to get along in this world, you will find yourself getting along with all manner of sin and iniquity that you do not wish to be a part of. You must be paying attention. You must be looking at the things and knowing what I should be praying for, and who I should be praying for, and when they come into your mind, then actually pray for those things, and be on the lookout for them. Go, oh, that's something I can pray about, because now I, now I actually know where I would like God to be working. Now I actually know where I would like God to be changing hearts and minds, and because I'm thinking about his kingdom, and I'm not thinking about just my daily walk. Now, with that said, the most important part of this, with an attitude of thanksgiving, the reason why I say that is the most important part, because if you are actually devoting yourself to prayer and you are paying attention to the world around you to see the brokenness and the needs of the people that you care about and the sin that they encounter on a daily basis, I dare you to have a grateful heart. And, and I'm only mostly kidding about that, because what's the temptation? The longer we look at this world, the more we start thinking what? Anytime now. I got some wood in the back. You want us to start building another boat? I mean, think we can pull this off? I mean, I'm good with this plan. You start to hate the world and their sin, and you start to get bitter, and you start to get angry, and you start to get upset because you're actually seeing the world for what it is. Always remember, Christian, our charge in this world is to see the world for what it is and love it anyway to see the world for what it is and actually have mercy and grace and trust in the God who has redeemed us, knowing that our struggle is here, but that our peace is in his kingdom. This is why I'm forever reminding you about looking forward to a kingdom. Because if you don't, you start looking around at the stuff here. And you start going, why isn't this better? Why is this so bad? Oh my goodness, what are you people doing? <sighs> Remember that whole we're broken and it's broken thing? That's not just you, that's everything. And if you struggle with the benefit of the Holy Spirit, having an anchor for your souls, what happens to the other, the other ships upon the ocean that have no anchor? What are they going to look like on a daily basis? Now, as you see that, remember our math equation. For every look at yourself, take what? Ten looks at Christ. For every look at the world, take ten looks at Christ again, and be reminded that this is not the end of things. There is coming a good kingdom. There is coming a righteousness from God where sin will be undone, and that means I can still walk here. Galatians 6 reminds you, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. 
that growing weary is talking about trusting in God. We're recognizing that we persevere to the end because we persevere in the power of the Holy Spirit, trusting in the work of Christ, knowing the plan of the Father. We walk daily in His power, that whole devoted to prayer thing. And because of that, we will make it to the end because it is Him. Remember, I haven't told you this before. Remember that dragging analogy? You know, my, my joke about the footprints in the sand that... Because it's always, every, every Christian bookstore, actually, they don't even have those anymore, do they? No. So those of you that are my age and older, you actually remember, since the kids are all over there, you guys all remember the Christian bookstores, and they have, there's always that one section of every Christian bookstore that has the mugs and the little motivational speakers, and I always remind Cameron every time we see those that, that every dead body on the side of Mount Everest was once a highly motivated person. <laughs> Every time I see those motivational speakers on how to live, uh, posters on how to live, be like, uh-huh, always remember that you have to be wise. You don't want to just be brave. You have to actually be wise in the world. But there was always the footprints in the sand, and during the hardest times of my life, there were only two sets of footprints, and that's when God did, that was when I carried you. If that was going to be actually accurate for most of our walks, it'd be like, why are there two drag lines? Uh, that's the Holy Spirit going, because those were the hard parts in your life where you were arguing with me, and I just clubbed you in the back of the head and drug you through it. <laughs> Come on. Here we go. We're going to make it. <laughs> I wanna. That's most of the work of the Spirit. That's actually the discipline, is God carrying you through. That's why I joke with you that there are times, like, there are times with your kids, they need a hug, right? There are times they also need what? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> there are times with you in your difficulties in life, when you need some encouragement, you need to be uplifted. There are also times, you know, stop it. <laughs> there are times when you need to... <laughs> Don't look at your wife. <laughs> there are times when the mama bird needs to do what to you, little baby? Yeah, you need to be booted out of the nest so that you can actually go and do what you're supposed to do. This is the work that the Holy Spirit is doing daily. This is where our hope lies. This is where our trust is, is that he is accomplishing. He is building up. We're not changing hearts and minds. He is changing hearts and minds. We are walking faithfully, proclaiming the gospel, trusting in his work, and knowing that no matter what else happens, that because of that, we will persevere to the end, and that ending will be good. So with that said, we can continue verse three, praying at the same time for us as well. Paul's just happy to be included. <laughs> I love that. You know, while you guys are praying, if you don't mind, pray for the apostolic work of the church, you know, the planting of churches, the building up of the kingdom, you know, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and, and just all of that, if, if, it's, if it's not too much. <laughs> now, I like that for this reason. This goes back to our initial discussion on prayer. You're busy people. You have busy lives. Why do we have calendars? Because if you're like me, if it does not make it to the calendar, you know what happens to it? Yeah, I don't know what happens to it either because it's not there anymore because it doesn't exist. <laughs> if I can't see it, it doesn't exist. That's why someone will tell me about something. If I don't immediately like grab the phone and start typing, as soon as I get the save, because I save it and now it's off into the cloud and trust that Google doesn't lose it and then Google gives it to the CIA and whatever it is they want to do with my calendar, I don't care because I'm not that important. But... <laughs> If I don't do that, it's gone. I don't like that. I want to remember things. I want to be able to remember all the prayer requests. We joke every single month we take up the benevolent offering. What, about 10 months out of the year, 
Mike has to remind me, hey, it's benevolent today. And then there's like one month a year where Mike's like, we're doing benevolent today. And I'm like, no, 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 that's next week. <laughs> I mean, how long have we done lunch on fourth Sunday? And yet people will go, is it this Sunday or next Sunday? I mean, this, this is humanity. This is just how we are. You're busy people with busy things. When you remember them, pray for them. When you think about them, go. And always remember, go back to our when you pray from Matthew 6. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. It's not like you woke up one morning and go, oh my goodness, I forgot to pray for that. God won't do anything now. <laughs> God's not waiting for you to tell him how to operate his kingdom. God is waiting for you to listen to the work and the spurring of the Holy Spirit and that kick in the pants and actually be sanctified and do what you're supposed to do. That's the work that he is doing in your life. This is not God waiting for your permission to do things. This is God getting you on board. Remember the dragging analogy? Come on, come on, you can do it, come on. Therefore, rest there. Rest there. Know that it is God who's working. It is God who is accomplishing. The, the peace you have, because you look out at a sinful world and go, it is God who will bring me to a good end where this is gone and I don't have to deal with that and I will be at peace and at rest is the same God who is working that out for all of his other people just the same way. Not like, I didn't pray, therefore, like, like you will do this with kids and grandkids. Like, I didn't pray enough for my kids. Well, of course you didn't. <laughs> Duh, you didn't pray enough for anything. That doesn't mean God looked at him and, you know, I was going to make them behave today, but they didn't pray. So no, be that way. See if I care. <laughs> yeah, that's how we think about this. And I'm, because we do what? We try to make God in whose image? Ours. No, 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 no. You're made in his. He operates. He works. As you think, as you're reminded, as you're encouraged, pray for these things and recognize that, well, I'm not going to tell you it's okay you forgot those 22 prayer requests. I am going to tell you that God didn't forget them. I'm going to remind you that it wasn't dependent upon you to pray for God to do, and God didn't do that thing because you didn't pray. Always remember, big discipline, big difference between discipline and punishment. And we like to interpret all discipline as punishment. Christian, your punishment has been taken by Christ upon the cross. The difficulties and the hardships you experience now are not punishments for your sin. They're discipline that prunes and purifies you from your sin. There's a difference between those things. The difficulties that come are because you've been punished because you didn't pray enough. They are the difficulties and trials of this world, a reminder that this is not our home and that there is coming a good place where this will be undone and where God will reign and goodness will dwell in each and every thing. Which is, remember again, a good reminder. What's your goal in life? Rewind to the previous chapter, Colossians 3. Whatever you do in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. In other words, live your life unto the glory of God, and when you find yourself not, congratulations, you found your idol, kill the idol, and then get on with living your life unto the glory of God, knowing that it is Christ's work that makes your work good, and it is Christ's accomplishment that secures your place and not your own. So, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned. That's a fun little reminder right there. Remember, this is one of the prison epistles. All right, in case this is not obvious, that means this is a letter that Paul is writing while he is in jail. Now, 
If you were writing a letter from jail to Christians asking them to pray for you, what would you ask them to pray for? (laughs) I would like to get out of jail, please. Someone roll doubles. (laughs) Oh, come on. None of you got that joke. (laughs) Or pass along or start negotiating for the little get out of jail free card. Come on, somebody help me out here. I don't know about you. That would be my prayer request. You know, pray for the spread of the gospel. And while you're at it, you know, can you pray that God would see clear to get us out of the clink? (laughs) We would like to go home. We would like to do something else. I mean, I know that's my prayer. That would probably be your prayer. Why isn't that Paul's prayer? Paul's just making us feel bad. We've been, we've been Jesus juked. You know, if you don't know what that is, that's, that's a phrase like someone goes, what do you want in the world? And you're like, I, I want, you know, I would like my family to be secure and happy. And somebody goes, I want the gospel to spread. Be like, oh, you just picked something more sanctified than I did to make me look bad. That's a Jesus juke. <laughs> Paul's not, Paul is not doing that to us. Paul is actually serious. Let's go to another prison epistle, Philippians. Paul talking about the gospel going forth, people preaching it from different motivations. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Paul doesn't care if you really, really mean it when you preach the gospel, or if you're only doing it so people will think well of you. As long as the gospel is preached, Paul's happy. (laughs) Because you know what? If you have a broken heart preaching the gospel, you know whose problem that is? That's yours, and you know who's going to work on that problem? That's what God's to work on. As long as you're preaching the the right gospel, it's a good day, and I'm happy, happy, happy. And that's all we worry about. And by the way, that's because of what Paul continues on with. And yes, I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. See, Paul doesn't need to pray to get out of prison because Paul just wants to pray that you would strengthen that God would strengthen him so that Paul would preach the gospel because you know where Paul can preach the gospel? Paul can preach the gospel in the prison. Paul can preach the gospel out of the prison. It's like the hokey pokey. No matter where you go, Paul can preach the gospel. You know, this is the whole I've learned to get along whether I've got money, whether I don't have any money, whether things are going bad, whether things are going well. No matter what's going on, I rejoice in Christ because I can preach the gospel and Christ will be glorified. And no matter what happens, I glorify God in how I live even if that means I glorify God with how I die. Paul's serious about this. This is what it looks like to actually live your life unto the glory of God. And remember, that's what this encouragement is based on. If you've forgotten the rest of it, go back and read the rest of the book when you go home. It'll do you good. Because this instruction is built upon all the rest of that. Remember what all the rest of that is. Who they are in Christ because of what Christ has done for them. Therefore, how they live in this world, rejecting worldliness, rejecting worldly philosophy, rejecting worldly living, being sanctified by the work of the Spirit because of what Christ has accomplished. This is what being sanctified looks like. And it looks like trusting in God no matter the circumstances, no matter what has befallen us, no matter what it looks like, knowing that it is good because I haven't been prevented from glorifying and praising God in my circumstances. I haven't been prevented from living for God in my circumstances. The world may one day tell you, well, you're going to die if you keep doing that. Sweet, I get to go home. Because that was Paul's attitude. We don't think like that. And you know why we don't think like that? Because we think this is home. And we think this is the right place. And we think this is the best place. 
the mindset that we have is broken in this world because, again, we've made God in our image too often rather than understanding that we are made in his and serving and worshiping him and him alone. Congratulations once again. If I'm talking about you, guess what you've just discovered? You found your idol. Now you get to kill it. That's just, I mean, this is your daily walk. And no, I'm never going to get tired of doing that, just so you know. <laughs> This is just your daily walk each and every day. This is why, again, be diligent, be devoted, keeping alert so that you are aware of the idols. Because when it's up happening, and, and this is what gets us so often, is we think we're doing so well, so you know what we start doing? We stop paying attention. You ever, you ever been on a long drive on a, a, like a straight road? So you, in other words, have you ever driven in the Midwest? <laughs> Still the most astounding thing to me was... Um, the first time I got to fly into Chicago, and we're banking over the lake, and I look down, and it's like, it's a straight shot to Iowa. Because <laughs> the road's coming off the lake in Chicago. I mean, it's I'm like, there's not a bend. Like, and then I'm starting to wonder, how did they do that? Because I've seen the quality of the work that DOT accomplishes, and it's like, how, how did they pull off just a straight road? But anyway, then just what happens? You're cruising along, and what do you start doing? You just tunnel vision. And some people are like, hey, did you see the 40-foot cowboy by that gift shop on the side of the road? And be like, what? No. And everybody else in the car is like, how did you miss it? I was looking that way. I don't know how I missed it. Then you look in your rearview mirror and you see it and you're like, whoa, okay. Wake up. Okay, here we go. Start looking around, paying attention to what's going on around me. This is what we do in the Christian life. We're doing well. We haven't found any problems lately. We haven't discovered major sin areas. Everything's good. Ah! And that's a reminder. There's the discipline of the Lord. Congratulations. Now you pay attention. Now you evaluate. Now you look. Now you can do the work again. This is the reminder. Constantly thinking, constantly evaluating, constantly paying attention. Because again, the pull of the world doesn't stop. It doesn't take a break. So when you stop paying attention, that's when the pull starts moving you along. And we talked about this in Sunday school before. This is the, the warning that I always give people. Nobody has ever just like run off into sin. Well, I better not say nobody. Because some of you be like, oh yeah? Oh yeah? But let's be honest, nobody has ever just been like, there's sin four miles that way. Yeah! What's happened is, you just kind of stopped paying attention, and the world pulled, and you weren't paying attention, and you thought you were doing okay. And next thing you know, you look at me, you're like, oh my goodness, how did we get here? That's typically what happens. Okay. You know where you are, you know where you're supposed to be, and more importantly, you know how to get back. So, return to the road, start again, know that it is Christ that cleanses, it is Christ that makes you good. Trust in his work and get back on the path. And congratulations, the road is now straight again and you are in the right place. This is how Paul is living, day in and day out. This is what he wants to be strengthened, by the way, to do. Because Paul, in his... Let's see, is this a word? What, what would be the word for living in your apostolic way? Is ap apostolicity, is that a word? It's not, it is now. <laughs> we have decided to make up our own words. He's not perfect. He's not, you know, completely sanctified. He has struggles and he has difficulties and he has trials and he has sin and he wants the work of the Holy Spirit and he wants you praying for that work because he needs those prayers. We need those prayers. I need those prayers. You need those prayers. This is why, again, I say, when you think of them, pray. Because that's when you thought about it. And that's when it was a concern for you. And that's a good thing. And that's what he wants. 
What does he finally want? Verse 4. That I make it clear in the way I ought to speak. See, if anybody should understand the gospel and be able to communicate it clearly, it's probably the dude that's basically got Leviticus memorized, right? I mean, you would think. And yet, what's the worry for Paul? That who's going to get in the way? Because <laughs> who typically gets in the way? We do. By the way, not the only time he said this. He told the Ephesians the same thing. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. This is always one of those things. You've never had that moment where like, you've been explaining something to someone or you've been telling someone something and then you go home and go, Ooh! Why didn't I say it like that? That was, the, or you've had, you've been arguing with somebody and you're like, that was, oh, that was the thing. Why couldn't I think about that? Well, you know why you couldn't think about the thing? You weren't ready for that argument. You weren't ready for that discussion. You weren't prepared for that at the time. If you had prepared for it, you know what happened? You just said that thing. And the next time that problem comes up, you know what you're going to remember? That one thing you should have said. You know what ends up happening? It never comes up again. <laughs> exactly. This is again, though, why I tell you to be a people of prayer, to read your Bible, to pay attention to things, so that when the time comes, the Holy Spirit's going, ooh, we got that. Here you go. Remember that thing you read 20 years ago? There, look, there it is. <laughs> That's why I can laugh about, you know, it's in the Bible. Better to live in the corner of the roof than in the house of the contentious woman. And some of you are like, what? It's in there. Why do I remember that that's in there? Because I have a weird brain that remembers all the, all the stuff that I can pick up my wife about. <laughs> it's my spiritual gift. <laughs> you know, you're being contentious. Do I need to move upstairs? <laughs> Luckily, that's the reaction she has to me. Because otherwise, this would not work. Because there's, there's, a, there's a low bar of things that I take deathly seriously. So she has to have a sense of humor and, and be a saint. Otherwise, we'd be doomed. <laughs> I, I, look, I've told you before, pray for my wife. Why? She's married to an idiot. Okay. With all of that said, be a person who studies. Be a person who knows. Be a person who's even... Look, this gets me in trouble with some of the people who are like, no, you must devote your time to reading the script. Again, like you, like you should regiment your prayer. You should do the same thing with your Bible reading. Look, I would prefer that you read your Bible slowly, that you read it carefully, and that you're actually paying attention when you're reading. But I would prefer that. I will settle for, I'm just reading today because I need to read my Bible and I know I should. While I don't want you to do that seven days a week, if that's today, I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, people ask me all the time about Bible translations, and if you want to know about quality of translations, I'll be glad to have that conversation with you. You know what the best Bible translation is? The one you'll read. The one you'll actually read. Would I prefer you get a more literal translation? Yes, yes, I would. If you will read that one, Read that one. Now, there is one exception to that, okay? The message is not a Bible translation, okay? It's, it's, it's a commentary. It is not a Bible translation. It is what, was Patterson or Peterson? Is it Peterson? Peterson? All right. It's, it's Eugene Patterson Peterson. Pick your name. It'll do you good. <laughs> yeah. Probably a wonderful guy, but it's not a Bible translation. So that one's out. Other than that, it's a Bible translation. The one you'll read is the one that I want you to look at and read, okay? 
would I prefer you get a better one? Yes. Can, would I prefer you move towards an ESV or an NASB? Yes, but if you will read that, you know, TNIV, <laughs> which is an awful translation, I'm, I'm contractually obligated every time I mention that to do that. If you will read that, fine. I mean, I have that conversation. I'll pick on Vern even though he's not here. Vern reads an NLT, a New Living Translation. I have one. It's a thought-for-thought thought translation. It gets the point across. I, there's some wonderful Bible scholars behind it, and they swear by it. I would prefer that you move to a better translation. But if he'll read that one, you know what I tell him all the time when he comes with that Bible? I'm glad you're reading that. Awesome. And when there are differences or questions about translation and things come up, we do what? We talk about it. We figure out what's going on. But the one you'll read is the best one. Because as you read, as you study, as you sometimes just plow through it for the sake of plowing through it, the Holy Spirit can do work. The Holy Spirit can accomplish and can build something up in that discipline that he gives is sometimes also a discipline to just do things because. And it is good for you. And this is part of our Christian living is loading up on the ammo in making sure that we are prepared in this world, in setting ourselves up that the Holy Spirit, again, actually has something to draw from. That promise that the Holy Spirit will tell you what to speak is not just, you know, you're just gonna, you're just gonna turn into Charles Spurgeon on the day you're drugging before the courts. You know, start quoting. That's not what that is. It is what you'll need when you need it will be there because of that dragging work that the Holy Spirit has done <laughs> up until that time. So if you can add to that, if you can strengthen that, please, by all means, do. Paul's not done yet. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Now, this should also be a permanent marker, by the way, the first part of that. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders. Again, go back to James 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But if you forget that part, much evil has been done in the name of this verse. Okay? And I'm going to cover this in just a second. Your wisdom must, your wisdom must be built upon God. If it is not, you do not have wisdom. Proverbs 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you start somewhere other than God, you might be smart. You might know a bunch of stuff. You can't have wisdom because you don't know what to do with your knowledge. You will apply it wrongly. If you don't believe me, go look at social sciences today, I dare you. You're looking at the world and being like, why don't we know which restroom to use? Because we have started with knowledge, we have forsaken God, and we've gone, we can apply this to the world. No, we can't. If your wisdom is not built upon God, you will apply this wrongly. Now, if your wisdom is built upon God, it will actually have an outcome and a product in this world. Things like Romans 12. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. If you do not start there and if you are not grounded there with your wisdom, you will misapply this understanding and you will do much, much damage to the kingdom. And again, if you'd like a longer presentation on this, read 1 Corinthians 1. The foolishness of God is better than the wisdom, than the wisdom of the world. That guardrail allows you to 
understand the second half of this verse. Making the most of the opportunity. Paul has an understanding, and it is absolutely correct, but it is misapplied so, so very often. 1 Corinthians 9. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I might by, some mean, by all means save some. If, 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 your wisdom, and always remember, knowledge is knowing things. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the stuff that you know. If the wisdom you are bringing to your world is not grounded upon God, you are grounding that wisdom upon the knowledge and understandings of the world. The unrighteousness of this world never, ever, ever accomplishes the works of God in his kingdom, okay? What this ends up doing to us so often is we look at the world and go, well, they know how to draw a crowd. They know how to get people together. Why don't we, and now what road are we going down? We'll do this or that in church so that more people will be here so they'll hear the gospel. Won't that be wonderful? <laughs> See, some of you are rightly going, um, why? Because you're borrowing from the world and trying to make the church function like the world with a good end in mind but you've removed the guardrails of making most of the opportunity. You make most of the opportunity as you conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders. Wisdom towards outsiders must be grounded in who God is and how he calls you to live in this world, which means, no, just because it works out there doesn't mean we should do it in here. And just because it works out there for them doesn't mean you should do it in here or out there. You have a different standard. We do not in any avenue of life look at the world and go, what are you doing and whether, what, is it working or not? No. No, 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 no. What's our call? Glory of God. Living our lives devoted to him for the building up of his kingdom, for the strengthening of our souls so that we're not being drug along in the process. <laughs> That's the part we want to avoid. So we look at the world and go, that really works for them. Sweet. That's nice. I don't care. Does it honor God? If the answer is yes, okay, then fine. Let's talk. The answer is no, get away. Pitchforks, torches, the whole nine yards. And by the way, for that all uh, become all things to all men to save some, that continues on, by the way. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you will win. Everyone who competes in the game exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. In other words, Paul's answer is not, did it work? Paul's answer is, does it honor God? Is it pleasing in his sight? Is it building up in his kingdom? If the answer is yes, then I'm good. That's the discipline. Which, by the way, use the race analogy in your life. We always talk all the time about how we're supposed to be walking together in the kingdom. You're supposed to try to win that, by the way. <laughs> I joke about the Jesus juke. You should want to be holier than me. <laughs> okay? And you tomorrow should want to be holier than you today. And you should look at the people around you and go, we can do better than this. We can live more righteously than this. I'm not saying it's a competition, but you should treat it like it's a competition. You should look and go, no, 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 no. We want to move forward. Therefore, this is what we should do. And as we see people moving forward ahead of us, you know what we should be saying? I'm going to be like that guy when I grow up. <laughs> 
I want to live like that. How, how should I do that? Well, gee, let's look around at my life and see what. What are the sins? What are the things? What are the idols that can be killed so that I can do what? I can avoid that whole dragging thing. <laughs> Verse 6. This is the conclusion for this little section. Let your speech always be with grace. Otherwise, we will become very, very imbalanced. Ephesians 4. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. By the way, he continues, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves. Don't throw your kids, by the way. Carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. This goes back to that thing we made or the point we made earlier about how you look at the world and what the temptation is. You stop looking at Christ when you look at the world, you start hating this world. You start thinking of it wrongly. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt. <laughs> always with wisdom in mind. Which, by the way, this is why there are no tone police in the kingdom of God, okay? I'm going to say this. this okay, I said I wasn't going to say anything that was going to get me in trouble. You ready? Here we go. I'm going to say something that's going to get me in trouble. Here it is. You've never said this or thought this. I don't mind what you said. It was, what's the rest of it? Come on. Is how you said it. Now look, is it possible that someone can give you good advice or a good critique in a mean way? Yes, but you know what that means? That means we have two problems to deal with, not one. Because the temptation, when we say, I don't mind what you said, I mind how you said it. What are we really trying to do? Invalidate what you said. No, 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 no. You said something in a mean way. We now have two problems to deal with. What I did and how you said it. This is removing the log from my eye to remove the speck from yours. We deal with this. Look, Christian, let your speech always be seasoned with grace. But speak the truth. Sometimes, what's my, what's my line? When in doubt, get a bigger Bible. To do what with? <laughs> I'm snow shovel to the face guy. Ask my wife. <laughs> My, my favorite line with my entire family, which basically is her entire family at this point, is um, don't ask me questions you don't want to know the answers to. Because <laughs> if you ask me, I'm going to tell you. And I don't mean to be rude. It's just sometimes I am. I'm sorry. It just kind of is what it is. But you don't get to invalidate something that someone says just because you don't like the way that they said it. No, we'll deal with how you said it later. Let you know what to deal with right now. Let's deal with what it is, figure it out, and then move forward. Always remembering what's the goal. James 5. If any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. What would you justify in the exercise of that goal? This is why you're not the standard. And this is why honoring God is the standard, because that's what puts the guardrails back. You would justify quite a lot in that goal. Just like in the previous verse, the churches have, just, have justified a lot in the building a crowd and trying to, air quotes, save people because they think they can do that sort of thing. 
not trusting that it is God who builds and God who accomplishes. You would justify a lot of things, many of which were probably evil, because we're, we're doing a good work. We're covering a multitude of sins. Always remember your guardrails, and our wisdom is rested upon God and not us. Check your speech. Check your tone. And when someone brings a bad tone to you that you don't like and you don't like the way they said it, okay. Deal with what they said always. Deal with what they said always. Evaluate. Be thinking. Be clear. Be patient. Think through everything. Because of your changed heart, trust that the Holy Spirit is renewing your mind and evaluate all of those things. And then you'll have what? So that you will know how you should respond to each person. (sighs) Thankfully, not everyone is like you. Unfortunately, not everyone is like me. (laughs) Just making sure you're still paying attention. (laughs) But yet, what are we? We're stuck with each other because we are the kingdom. And we are part of the kingdom because there's going to be people out there who are part of the kingdom that aren't like us either. Part of dealing with the other people in the kingdom is actually dealing with the other people and recognizing that they're going to say things in ways you don't like and they're going to communicate in ways that you're not sure you always understand and you're going to do the exact same thing and that as we rest and as we take our time and as we are patient, we will have the grace and the mercy from God to know how we deal with each other because at the end of the day, what's our goal? The glory of God and the building up of his kingdom. That's why Paul can continue. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Let your speech always be seasoned with grace as though seasoned with salt. Be kind, be loving, be merciful, be truthful. That line will sometimes shift between, I want to say this really, really kindly, but I also need to say this really, really bluntly. How do I know which one's which? The wisdom of God. For the building up of his kingdom, for the honoring of who he is and what he has done, and you will know. In other words, Christian, recap. As you devote your life to paying attention and being a people of prayer and study, God strengthens you and equips you for the building up of his kingdom because that's the work that he has promised to his people. This is part of the totality of scripture is that this is how the work is done. And as we rest in him, we are resting in the work that he is doing and he is strengthening us and working through us sometimes, well, maybe I should say most of the time, in spite of us. And that is where we can rest and where we can trust because it is him who is building and it is he who will see us to a good end. Let's pray.